Hello, darlings, and welcome to the Wake Up and Show Up podcast with your girl, your host, Portia Scott. This is a podcast with the mission to inspire and empower you to take your life off autopilot, optimize the power of your uniqueness, and execute intentionally in every area of your life. This week's episode is number six, and as the title states, we are talking about money, but more specifically, we're talking about finances and finances for small businesses, but these principles can translate into our own personal finances. If we are going to show up and be intentional in every area of our lives, this is one of the areas of our lives where we are afraid or there's bad myths, or there's um, bad feelings about, but money is adiophorous. It is neutral. Money in itself is indifferent. It's just how we handle that money. Today, I am not talking about finances, but we have our second house guest joining us. And this person is a very close friend of mine for easily over 20 years. We coincidentally have birthdays that are one day apart. And I'd like to say that's why we get along so well. He is also the executive producer of the Wake Up and Show Up podcast. Not only is he my friend and a talented executive producer, but he is also a corporate finance professional. I want to call him a corporate finance expert but he'd like me to take the expert off and put financial uh, put professional in that place so he's worked with IHG Comcast Columbia University First Data he's just been all over the corporate arena so he really has a lot of experience in finance and helping these businesses uh, be who they really are as it relates to the financials so I would like to welcome Daryl Mitchell to the podcast hey (laughs) (laughs) that was so good you make me sound so important well I think you are like this financial guru especially you've kind of really helped me and broke down some stuff as it relates to finance and the business and so I'm happy that Daryl is not being the Mac in the back as he says (laughs) and he is willing to come in front of the microphone Daryl has really helped me because I am one of those people that are, you know, I'm a recovering perfectionist and I like to have control. And one of the areas where I like to have control is finances. Mm -hmm. And Daryl and I had this conversation over coffee when we were planning out a few things for the podcast. And he just asked me, how much money do we have in the business? And I was like, oh, (laughs) oh, I said, so you want me to be honest and transparent? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. You should have seen her face. <laughs> and he said, if I'm going to help you with the business finances, you have to be transparent. Yep. So I had to tell him how much was, you know, we had in the business, uh, which is a very low budget right now. And I told him how much money was coming into the business. So I had to be pretty honest about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a hard conversation for you. <laughs> I know. So one of the segments we just started right last last episode was about being grateful. So I want you to finish this sentence. Today, I am grateful for. Today, I am grateful for peace. I am grateful that I can, you know, chaos and everything can go can be happening around me and that I can just keep my mind right, keep my focus on what needs to be done and not get caught up in all of that and all the, you know, the craziness 
of whatever is happening. I can just keep my peace. I'm I, so grateful for that. I love that. I love that 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 peace um, is just really like being settled, right? Mm-hmm. And so last week we talked about uh, what are some of those regiments that we do for some it's devotion for some it's yoga for some it's running for some it's getting quiet but just having the opportunity and being intentional about our peace and how important that is to us or starting our day but being intentional about those things so one of the things I do want to talk about is the differences between the business components or you know the business types which is you know we have sole proprietorships LLCs S corps C corps and all these names kind of get thrown around but Daryl I'm coming in as a layman right Mm -hmm. and so um, just think that I don't even have a business degree I don't know I just have this great idea what is the differences between those and um, what would you know you kind of recommend well, you have sole proprietorship. This one is the easiest one to do because it's the cheapest. Um, it doesn't really cost anything. You have to register with your county clerk, and but you're basically registering the name of your business, and that's it. And your business technically starts when you earn your first dollar. So Portia, let's say you have Portia's Cookies. Let's say you have a cookie-making business, <laughs> cookie-selling business. You register the name, so it's it appears as Portia Scott DBA, which means doing business as Porsche's Cookies. So now you can operate your, under that name, Porsche's Cookies. You can get bank loans. You can get credit cards. You can use that name as you would, you know, in your personal, mm-hmm. in your personal life. So with those business loans and credit cards, is that based on my personal Social Security number or the business's kind of EIN number? So this is one of the downfalls to sole proprietorship. It is based on your personal social security number. So, because it's you, right? Mm-hmm. You're not, the business is really just your name, but everything is going to fall on you. So you're personally liable for anything that happens to the business. But the setup costs are really $0 in setting it up. So that brings us to LLCs or limited liability companies. And then and it's in the name, limited liability. So the main difference between a sole proprietorship and a limited liability company or LLC is that liability because LLCs have their own tax ID number, you know, which is like a social security number for a business. So just like we said, everything that else, the, uh, everything we've mentioned pre- previously, the credit cards, you know, the business loans, all of that is under the business's um, tax ID number, not yours. But you're not personally liable for anything that happens with the business. So um, all of your debt that you incur in the business, creditors can't come after your personal assets. So if Porsche's Cookies goes out and buys, you know, 10 ovens, and but your cookies aren't selling or you don't have enough revenue to cover your, your payment, they can't say, okay, well, now I'm going to go to you, Porsche Scott, and you have to now, you know, I'm coming after your house. I'm coming after your car. No, all of that is protected because you registered as a limited liability company, which means they can't go past that company. So they can't bother Porsche's personal assets because that's a different entity. Mm, excellent. And so give us a little information because now a lot of times we hear, oh, well, I have sole proprietorship or LLC, and those are the only two that we can kind of kind of do. Because when you start thinking about as a small business owner or someone just coming in to start business, you hear corporation and you kind of get scared because you're like, oh, no, that's for the big boys. That's the, you know, Fortune 500 companies. That's the Cokes. That's the Microsoft and the Apple. But um, 
What exactly is the S Corp and the C Corp? Okay. So a corporation, that is the most expensive one to set up. Um, there's a lot of documentation. There's a lot of paperwork. you got to file with the Secretary of State. And the main thing about a corporation is the number of people who own it or who have, and if you want to issue stock. So if you're not ready for that, then I say don't take on the expense of setting up a corporation. But if you want to have, want to be able to do stock and you have a lot of owners in, the, in your company, then a corporation may be, you know, the best option for you. Uh, the main difference between an S-Corp and a C-Corp, and there's others, but the main one is taxes. Okay, so for example, let's say Cor- Porsche's Cookies is now Porsche's Cookies Incorporated. Okay, and during the year, you made a million dollars in revenue. Mm-hmm. Let's say you paid uh, $750,000 in expenses, okay. and your profit is the remaining $250,000. So you kept records of, of everything that you spent. And you're we did able, our income statement. Right, we did our income <laughs> statement, and we'll talk about that later. And you're able to prove that you had $250,000 in profits. So now those earned, that profit is passed through to your personal income tax. You'll have a schedule of what, how the business did and how you got to that $250,000 profit. Then that profit is funneled to your personal income tax, but the corporation itself does not pay taxes. Compared to a C corporation or just a corporation that doesn't have that S corp designation, you're going to, there's what they call double taxation where the corporation pays taxes on the profits. And then when those profits are split up or are then split to its owners, then the owners pay income tax. And so that was the, it was funny because that was actually the recommendation is the reason why. Um, Initially I was going with the LLC, but then when I told her, oh, well, I want you know, my children to have uh, the stake in the company. And she started looking at the taxes, obviously, because that's what she does. And she was saying that you will be the taxes would essentially be less. Um, And then she mentioned what I was confused of uh, confused with is that with an S corp um, that I would have to take a reasonable wage. Mm -hmm. Right. And so kind of what is that reasonable wage? So with an S corp, what this okay? So this is about taxes, and the IRS wants to make their money, right? right? So, <laughs> so the IRS says that you, as the owner, need to take a reasonable wage for the work that you do for the company, and they define reasonable as what's the market value for your services. If another, if you are working for another company or for other companies, what do they pay those people? So if, as the owner, you are the project manager as well for Porsche's cookies, Mm -hmm. then they'll say, well, how much do project managers make, you know, on average in your area and in your market? And then they'll say, okay, well, that means you should be making, you know, $150,000. So that's what you should be paying yourself. That's a reasonable wage. Now that can be adjusted based on how much revenue you're coming in. So it's not, that's where the reasonable comes in because if the market says that, you know, you would be paid 150,000, if you're not bringing that in, to pay yourself $150,000, then of course yeah. you're going to pay lower, right? That's where reasonable comes in. Absolutely. And, um, but and of if you're, you're making like $2.5 million, right. you're and only you're, paying yourself $20,000. You're only paying yourself <laughs> $20,000 because it's about payroll taxes. You're trying, not, you're trying to avoid paying payroll taxes. That's when IRS says, oh no. So that's where that reasonable salary requirement came in because you did have people who would say, well, yeah, I'm making $2.5 million, but I don't want to pay payroll taxes. I just want to pay, you know, the taxes when they're funneled to my personal income, you know, my when we file taxes at the, you know, beginning of the year. So I'm going to pay myself, I don't know, $20,000, you know, that way I don't have to pay much in payroll. And that's where the IRS says, nope, this is a money game. We want our money. 
market value, the, the market rate for for your job is not $20,000. It's $100,000. So, yeah. And then they'll go back and you'll get a tax bill because they will adjust your taxes. And there's going to be penalties because they'll say, you should have known not to pay yourself that low because you were trying to avoid paying payroll taxes. And what we don't want is the IRS to start auditing or have us on their hit list, right? Right. We want to keep them (laughs) as far away as possible. But just remember, it's a money game for them. So the key here, Portia, is to document. Document everything. When you pay yourself, have that documented and be ready. Have your documentation ready. S-Corps get in trouble because they don't keep documents. And this is really for any business, but particularly S-Corps because of that tax advantage. So the IRS is going to, like I said, they want to make sure they get all the money that they, that they have coming to them. So they're going to go through your paperwork with a fine-tooth comb. So mm-hmm. keep documentation, documentation, documentation. So if there's someone out there that's saying, you know what, I've already set up my company as a sole proprietorship or I know that as soon as I set it up, I'm going to start bringing that money in. So for me, the sole proprietorship is the way to go right now. Um, One, is there ever a good time to do that? And two, can I move from sole proprietorship to LLC as, you know, that money starts to come in and now I have the resources to pay to have my business structure set up? Well, the biggest advantage to being a sole proprietor is that you don't have any upfront costs. So you're not paying those filing fees like you are for an LLC, which can go up to about $1,000, you know, to set it up or the um, or to be incorporated, you know, with it as either S Corp or C Corp. So if you don't have a lot of startup money, then a sole proprietorship is the way to go. But because of that liability factor, definitely want to come up with that $800,000 sooner rather than later so that you can convert to an LLC and protect your personal assets. Yeah. And one of the things you kind of talked about was documentation, documentation, documentation. And one of the ways that businesses document what's happening is their income statement or P&L statement, um, because it's so important that we know the numbers in our business that just because we're small businesses or just because we're starting out, sometimes we feel like, oh, well, I don't need to document that, you know, or I don't need to know how much money was spent on there because I'm not bringing in any money. So who's going to know? But I really do want to talk about that P&L statement and, um, and what that really means for a business. Mm-hmm. That is like looking at your personal accounts, you know, and determining, hey, how much money do I make? How much, you know, am I paying in expenses? You know, my mortgage, my car, my house, and how much do I have uh, left over? Businesses run the same way. Your P&L statement is your revenue minus your expenses. And that tells you whether you're operating at a profit or operating at a loss. And you want to do that every month because it's real easy not to keep track of that. And you're just you know, you have customers or, you know, your business is doing really well from what you can tell and you have all this money coming in, but you don't know exactly how it's coming in, like what products are selling better than others. If you have multiple products in your business or multiple services, you know, or how much does it cost you as a business to operate? You know, are you keeping track of your expenses? You know, that could be your labor expense, your uh, supplies, you know, your inventory related expenses, you know, shipping costs, all of that. Because it may feel like you're operating at a profit, but you could be operating at a loss or you could just be breaking even. But you don't know that unless you keep track and actually look at that statement every month. And you and it gives you all of that insight begin to make business decisions because it's like, OK, hmm, you know, the chocolate chip cookies are doing well. But, 
you know, those macadamia nut cookies, which I personally hate. Oh, yeah, they're not selling. So, <laughs> you know, the cost for the nuts and the dough for that, you know, is more expensive and they're not selling. So we need to stop making those. I need to stop selling those cookies or stop making as many of them and concentrate on the chocolate chip. Mm -hmm. And you would only know that if you look at your income statement or your P&L statement, because you see the revenue for each product. Absolutely. And I think it's, it, it really goes to our personal finances too, right? Because we mm -hmm. can say, oh, I'm at $75,000. Oh, yeah, I'm bringing in all the money, right? Because it may be more than you brought in the years before. Right. But is that $75,000 being eaten up by whatever your expenses are? Mm -hmm. So are you operating in the red? And really looking at the, those numbers are so expensive you know, so important, you know, whether it's in our personal finances where we're looking at that FICO score or whether we're looking at the bank account or whether we're looking at, you know, our budgets, which John and I call a spending plan because we feel like budget is restrictive and no one likes restrictions. No, so no. spending plan gives us boundaries. We like boundaries. <laughs> um, but making sure we plug those numbers in, you know, monthly or biweekly or whatever that looks like, because then we can make decisions, right? So then we can say, oh, you know what? Miracle is going off to college soon. So maybe we need to up how much we're putting in her 529. Are we maxing that out? Oh, you know what? We no longer have this to pay. So maybe now we can max out our 401ks or how much money do we have to spend for vacations? Mm -hmm. And so that's on a personal level. But on a business level, like you said, it is those decisions. Looking at our numbers allows us to make the appropriate decisions. And you'd be surprised. I mean, so many people are scared to look at their numbers. And, I've, and with business owners that I've worked with in the past, I've noticed that if you're scared to look at your own personal numbers and your own personal finances and take control of them, you typically take that mentality into your business. And when you do that, you're really setting yourself up for failure. So one of the um, things that we have seen is an emergence of freelancers, of contract work um, versus employees. And so as small businesses, as we're looking at, you know what, well, I don't want to employ anyone because uh, it's not time yet because I've looked on my P&L and I realized that I cannot hire a full-time person, but I do have space in my budget to hire a contractor to do this or someone to do that. So besides looking at the P&L to determine whether or not I have the funds to do that, what is the difference between a contractor and employee? Because as small businesses, we don't want to get mixed up or like you say, on the wrong side of the law mm -hmm. as it comes to hiring contractors and employees, again, because we're seeing an emergence of that in the workforce. Right. So the employee versus contractor, that is an IRS uh, designation. Um, like I said earlier, IRS wants to get all the money it has coming to them. <laughs> <laughs> so they determine who's an employee and who's a contractor. Employees, of course, pay payroll taxes based on the wages that they earn. Contractors um, are to pay self-employment taxes. Uh, so, the, so the IRS gets less for contractors than they do for employees. So small businesses will say, oh, well, I don't want any employees because I don't want to be bothered with payroll taxes. And, you know, and again, staying on the right side of the law, because that can get confusing, especially if you're not able to use a payroll processing service. You know, it all falls on you as the business owner. So they say, you know what, I'm just going to hire contractors. They're easy. Give them a flat rate. And that's it. And, you know, the responsibility of paying their taxes falls on them and not on me as the owner. And that does sound great. However, 
uh, is all about behavior and control. So the IRS looks at how much control do you have over this employee's workday, or excuse me, over this worker's workday. If you can tell someone you have to be in this office between 8.30 and 5.30, you know, every day, um, and you're concerned with their day-to-day and not just the end result, then the IRS sees them as an employee. With as, as opposed to a contractor, where there's usually more for project work, you're only concerned with the end results. So in the example of Porsche's Cookies, let's say that you need to hire an administrative assistant. And you know, you said the same thing you said earlier. Well, I don't want to be bothered with payroll taxes and all that. I'm just gonna hire a contractor. Well, administrative assistant, you tell her, you tell him or her, hey, you I need you at my office between this time and this time. Um, I'm gonna give you the equipment to use, you know, a computer, the phone, you know, all of that. Yeah, you do that, and the IRS says that's an employee, not a contractor. Whereas a contractor is just, hey, I need this done. You don't have to train them. Um, you also don't have, they don't have any reverse, uh, reimbursable expenses. Okay. That's another thing that the IRS looks at. So for the admin assistant, if he or she, if you sent them on an errand and they needed uh, to get to buy supplies or something to do their job, you would reimburse, reimburse them for that cost. Mm-hmm. But with a contractor, all of that should be built into the fee that they're charging you. So they don't have reimbursable expenses. Oh, wow. And the danger in classifying someone incorrectly as a contract that should be an employee is the IRS will go back to when that person was hired and they will calculate the payroll taxes that they should have, that should have been paid. And that liability will fall on the business to pay that. And of course, there's going to be penalties and interest as well. Wow, so Darryl. it can get very expensive if you <laughs> if you try to shortcut or if you try to cheat the IRS by hiring just contractors and they sh- and you treat them as employees. Wow. So I want to take this time just to thank Daryl for coming on the show and being in front of the microphone. Oh, anytime, anytime. <laughs> Instead of being in the back. I know that we covered um, quite a bit of stuff, but we may not have covered your specific need or you may want to go a little bit more in depth um, with some questions about your own business. So Daryl, how can people contact you to get that information? Yeah, so they can email me at the wake up and show up email address, which is hello at PortiaScott.com, and we'll go from there. There's a quote by Dave Ramsey that says, I believe that through knowledge and discipline, financial peace is possible for us all. As always, we end every show with this declaration. Waking up is automatic. Showing up is intentional. Today, I will show up. Thank you again for spending time with me today and listening to the Wake Up and Show a podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you never miss a show. Leave us a five-star review and share with a friend or foe. You can follow us on Instagram at I am Portia Scott, Facebook at I am Portia Scott. Until next time, go impact the world. <laughs>